MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 13th, 2020. Today, Joyce Vance weighs in on the Department of Justice debacle. Bezos takes on Trump. Democrats ask the Secret Service for details about Trump profits. Jim Jordan's name comes up in Ohio State House testimony. And some good news from Amy Berman Action Jackson. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? Good. Kind of a slow news day. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it seems to be picking up there at the end a little. Yeah, relatively. Um, <laughs> yes, but compared to yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty slow. So we do have um, some news stories to get to. I want to ask you all, if you're not a patron yet, to please consider it because you'll get these episodes ad-free. You'll get them early. And Jordan, you don't know this, but we were offered a crap load of money today to run Bloomberg ads. <laughs> really? <laughs> but like... A crap load of money. Really? And I had to say no because it's, you know, it's partisan. Yeah, it's very partisan. That's not the right word, I guess. Well, it just... Overly selective at this stage in the game? I wouldn't feel good for a couple reasons (laughs) running Bloomberg ads. um, (laughs) Because we aren't running ads for anybody else. And, you know, this whole... We don't know much about him at this stage. Yeah. Uh, And there are a lot of people who disagree with his... It just seemed too... Oh, yeah. Weird. I mean, we talk all the time about that, just how kind of shitty it is objectively to be able to buy your way into something. Yes. And so, and, and you know, hey, if he puts all of his money behind, if he becomes the nominee, okay, I'll run your ads. But like, um, yeah, right, right, right. It totally. just seems weird during the primary. Mm-hmm. But I just said no to a huge amount of money. And he's investing, I think, 70 million in podcasts. Jeez. That's not what I turned down. That's like total. Um, so now... I could really use your help. <laughs> That's crazy. So, you know, sign up to become a, a patron, patreon.com slash the daily beans. You get these ad free and early. You also become a patron. And Muller, she wrote, and we won't have to take Bloomberg money. <laughs> like, I feel like it would just, it was, it was just the whole situation was awkward. Yeah, that would not be good for us. No. And, and I wouldn't do that. To, yeah. To, so now, now I'm It's just... interesting. They asked for an ad. Now they're getting like an anti ad. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, it, Hey, <laughs> I said, is it legal for me to talk about this? <laughs> they yes. said yes. So, yes, <laughs> so, great. And I can't tell you how much I, how much, but yeah. Well, know. I mean, <clears throat> that's um, that's really nice mm-hmm. that they thought you know that our audience is an engaged part of the electorate because I, they are. I was honored to be asked. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a very engaged and intelligent, um, yeah, listenership. Yeah. So uh, I was honored to be asked, uh, but uh, man, that was. Whew, I just wanted y'all to know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even mean My to talk shit right on place. him. Right. I don't even mean <laughs> to talk shit on him as a candidate by any means, but strictly, you know, just the right now we don't want to directly endorse any candidates further than us just maybe saying, I really like this person. Right. And you know? like if Elizabeth Warren's campaign said, well, you know, we want to put an ad on your thing and not even offer me a, a, anything outside of the ordinary, I'd say no to that too. Like I just don't want to. Right. You know, unless it's not even personal, unless I can get everybody to pay me to advertise for them and then I can do it all at once. I don't I don't want to. Yeah. You know, I just don't want to. Yeah. I just think the idea of us accepting money for political advertisements ever is just kind of like 
a weird weird thing that we probably shouldn't do. No. But like I said, if whoever the dumb nominee is. Totally. That person, maybe. Yeah. 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 As long as it's all ultimately, you know, in the ultimate service of. Of beating Trump. Cool. Anyway, just wanted y'all to know. Uh, Patreon.com slash the daily beans. <laughs> if you're interested in making me feel not so bad today. Uh, I just wanted to do the right thing. And let me know if you don't think that's the right thing or if you appreciate it or if you don't. Or, you know, let me know what you think about it. And, and any of our advertisers, really, just uh, hit us yeah. up uh, on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod uh, or on Twitter at Muller She Road. Or you can uh, contact us through the website, MullerSheRoad.com. Mm. All right. Um, with that out of the way, time to hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, everybody. So Joy, Joyce Vance, who's been on our pod several times, both podcasts, um, she penned a piece in Time magazine called If Trump is Allowed to Turn the Justice Department into a Political Weapon, No One is Safe. And she opens up this article by talking about just a brief introduction about what's going on with the Roger Stone case. And then it says that at this stage in a proceeding, meaning the sentencing stage for Stone, It is a sharp departure, sharp departure for the Department of Justice to curtail its original sentencing recommendation that has resulted in and it has resulted in anger, sorrow and grief among current and former prosecutors, federal or otherwise. And then addressing Trump's tweets and subsequent statements about the case, she tries to emphasize why it's such an inappropriate thing for a president to interject in a specific criminal case. And the difference between that and just setting policy, which the president totally has the right to do, whether you agree with it or not. So from the article, she says, quote, among the founding fathers, chief goals was to do away with a government where the king was above the law and had absolute power over the lives of his subjects. In our system, the president, just like every other citizen, is meant to be subject to the law, unquote. So turning the justice system into a weapon to benefit friends and punish enemies means the rule of law is in danger and that the president is above it. And that goes against the very heart, the soul of the Constitution and the, and the revolution and the reason we wanted to break away in the first place and the intent of the framers. It's like that's the whole reason. And secondly, um, the whole reason for putting the impeachment clause in there was to prevent foreign influence. And, and so that is why what he did with uh, Ukraine and mm-hmm. what he did in the Mueller uh, investigation is an impeachable event. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump injecting himself into the Stone case is indicative that rules don't apply to him uh, and that uh, that should be a four alarm fire that everyone, Republican and Democrat alike, should be rushing to put out. She says this is not a partisan issue. She says that Bill Barr has fully assumed the role of Trump's Roy Cohn by acquiescing to Trump's wishes in this case. And if Trump can get special treatment for himself and his buddies, she says, we no longer have a system people can have confidence in. And then She warns that if Trump can manipulate the justice system to benefit his buddies, the next obvious step is that he can use it to retaliate against his enemies. And this reminds me of his removal of Jesse Liu or uh, the Department of Justice's refusal to close the McCabe case after the grand jury failed to return an indictment or the new investigation into Comey or the direct line for Rudy to give his Biden dirt to Barr, uh, paid for by Kremlin-backed oligarch Dmitry Fortash, by the way. And not to mention uh, the new rule that Barr must give consent to open investigations into presidential and vice presidential candidates and the power that Trump granted Barr to declassify whatever he wants. So all of these things uh, make um, make Barr his Roy Cohn. Remember when he was mm-hmm. like, I wish, I wish I had Where's Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn? Yeah. Where's my Eric Holder? Um, 
So I recommend everyone read this Time article. Um, it's by Joyce Vance. I, I've shared it on uh, my Twitter, which is at Muller She Wrote. You should check it out. It's really, really well written, kind of frightening, but it, it'll, it'll give you insight into why people are freaking out so much about this. Mm-hmm. I really it, appreciate Joyce's voice specifically on this topic because she's been going back to when Brian Williams, you know, read our your tweet on on the air was also in regards to a Joyce Vance piece, right? That was talking about the erosion of trust in the Justice Department, and it just has continued. And I'm glad that she continues to write about it. Yeah, me too. It was, and that was exactly it. The, I think the tweet was something like, regardless of whether you think Bill Barr, you know, suicided uh, Epstein or turned a blind eye, the point is, is that nobody can trust trust the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. And Joyce had said, if no one can trust that justice is being done, then, you know, the, that's a that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was also a Time magazine piece. So I'm really glad that Time is giving her this platform to to write these pieces. And I think they're very important. So I hope you check it out. Uh, and the removal of Jesse Liu is and I've heard people talk about this on Twitter today. It's the equivalent of firing Mueller and it should be treated as such. Um, that's per um, NYC Southpaw on Twitter. Marcy Wheeler uh, retweeted that. I agree. Uh, we are not sure whether Lou's departure was timed to impeachment or to Stone or to Flynn, as Marcy Wheeler asks or says. But I th- I think it started when Jesse Lou didn't return an indictment on McCabe. Um, and if you remember, Trump tried to move her then, too, to the Department of Justice, but she ended up staying. And then add the fact that he pulled her nomination out from under her to the Treasury uh, after she had resigned on February 3rd, I think this has been the plan all along. Uh, now, keep in mind, as a, a very astute person on Twitter pointed out, when I say when Lou didn't return an indictment for McCabe, it is not the U.S. attorney who returns indictments. It's the grand jury that returns indictments, um, of course. But the AUSA also does not sentence Stone or make recommendations to sentence Stone or sentence Flynn or make those recommendations. But just like Marie Yovanovitch was in the way, so was Jesse Liu. Um, just like Yovanovitch wouldn't herself release military aid to Ukraine or block it or decide who's on the board of Burisma, she can certainly make it very difficult for, for a corrupt Trump administration to do what they want. Mm-hmm. So Jesse Liu can't return indictments, but she can certainly be pressured to make it happen. She can be blamed if it doesn't happen. She can resist pressure from the White House to interfere in what happens in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. She can slow down or stop investigations if pressured to do so. She can block sentencing recommendations if asked. She can impanel a new grand jury to look into the McCabe case if she wants. Mm. So there are things that she can do. She can't specifically return an indictment on McCabe. So I, I want to address that because you're very, very right on that. But I hope that that makes sense. Like she could act as a mm-hmm. a, a, a corruption blocker, yeah. um, just like Marie Ivanovich did. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, Trump responded to reporters at the White House today when asked about his involvement in the Stone case and what lessons he learned from impeachment, because Republicans mm-hmm. were like, he'll learn a lesson. And he said, here's the lesson he learned from being impeached, that Democrats are crooked. They've done a lot of crooked things, <laughs> that they're vicious, that they shouldn't have brought impeachment and that my poll numbers are 10 points higher. Great. Sounds like lessons. <laughs> a story. A very special. Yeah. This is, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what fable has that as a moral, but there yeah. we go. Uh, but he's not the only one talking. Republicans are now starting to talk, sort of. Um, like Lisa Murkowski uh, and her super strong words, this just doesn't look right. Um, <laughs> a resounding this just doesn't look right from Lisa Murkowski but the Lindsay Fish Lindsey Graham Crackers is defending the crime telling reporters 
Should the president stay out of cases? Yeah, I've said that a bunch. But if I thought he had done something that changed the outcome, I'd be the first one to say. What the? That is literally exactly what happened is the outcome <laughs> changed. There was an outcome and then that outcome was taken back and changed when now there is a new outcome. But he didn't do it. Oh, my God. Tim Shea uh, signed off on it and then went, oh, and uh, never mind, and changed his mind. Clearly, there was no outside influence at all. Dude, there wasn't only outcomings. There were outgoings. Four <laughs> people left. That's a good point. They're completely gone now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, slight correction, uh one of them has resigned from the Department of Justice. All four have withdrawn from the case. I don't mm. think. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. And I think Zelensky resigned from the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, but he's still in Maryland. Right. Okay, but one person like straight up did resign, yes, right? straight up took out. Yeah, yeah took so out. one person's gone. Four people are completely off the post. Yep. Uh, then Rick Scott was asked by Manu Raju if it's possible that Stone is getting favorable treatment because he's the president's friend. And Rick Scott said, re- responded with a resounding, I don't know. I don't know enough about the facts. <laughs> if you can't put two and two together, uh, look, I'm I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a senator. I'm a comedian, and I can figure this out, Rick. <laughs> uh, he then asked John Cornyn, should Barr testify to the Senate Judiciary Committee? And John Cornyn said, about what? So uh, that's what he thinks. And when John Kennedy was asked if the president should be tweeting about Stone's sentence, he said, I've suggested to the White House and the president that tweeting less would not cause brain damage, but the president's going to tweet. Okay, we're double <laughs> negative about brain damage. Uh, so those are sort of the Republicans' uh, responses today, uh, of course. And then, of course, Trump's. The Democrats are terrible, vicious, crooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Can you imagine if Twitter didn't exist? Oh. That'd be weird. I really, really wonder about that sometimes. It would be weird, and it's a great tool in so many ways, and this is really beating a dead horse even bringing this up again, but just days like this where it's like the amount of amplification his voice gets and the amount of things he's allowed to say. It just hearing a sentence like, Trump's going to tweet how Trump's going to tweet. I fucking hate that that's a sentence. Yeah. that's that. It is what it is. Right. Cool. Like, doesn't have to go through any sort of formal press process, just can say whatever the fuck he wants, which I guess any president can always do. But then he gets likes and retweets, and it only emboldens him, at least in a press conference. I don't know. They're just like, okay, cool. And right. Next or you question. Can fact check him <laughs> yeah. or, or ask follow up questions. Yes, the tweet's exactly. just a tweet. And, right. And pretty soon Twitter is going to have a thing where you can't reply. Really? Yeah. Like you can so, choose that yeah. people can't reply? Yeah. Like you can uh, put a tweet up. You can either have your friend followers only comment, people you're following only comment, nobody comment, stuff like that. Yeah. So you can change who can who can reply to your tweet. Yeah. I mean, I guess people should be able to control that probably, but... Yeah, it's kind of like Facebook, like the privacy thing where, right. you know, friends, friends of friends. But when you're a public figure and, you know, you back their ability to do that because of free speech... To then bake into it that your citizenry isn't allowed to comment on it is kind of strange. It is, but there's no rules, you know, there's no right. tradition that, <laughs> to yeah, go exactly. by. So, uh, well, we'll be right back with uh, Bezos, the Secret Service, and Jim Jordan. Again, if you want these episodes ad free, go to patreon.com slash the daily bean. Stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and I want to tell you about the Embark Breed and Health DNA test. Uh, I love my, my dog, my pod dog, Olive. She was born on Christmas. Her name is Olive, the other reindeer. She is awesome. And whether you have a new pup or an old friend, um, and um, ours is relatively new. She's only two years out of the package. Uh, but you, it's really great. You can get an Embark Breed and Health test because that's the key to unlocking your dog's unique breed mix and genetically informational health needs. Um, that way you can help your dog live their healthiest, happiest life. From breed traits to genetic risk factors and other health conditions, Embark provides the resources to help you and your vet best tailor care to your dog's specific needs. Over 50% of dogs are either at risk or a carrier of a genetic disease, and the Embark Breed and Health DNA test screens for any potential health conditions, so you have all the information necessary to provide your doggo their best life. So so whether your pet is mixed breed or purebred, they're not immune to certain diseases and health issues. But the sooner you know, the sooner you can find help or reduce pain. And since our pets can't speak to us about ailments or symptoms, you can have a leg up when it comes to knowing about their health with the help of Embark. I love how easy it is to use. Embark makes the process super simple. I sent in a simple cheek swab, and they did the rest. I sent follow-up emails. It was wonderful. Um, they're the only dog DNA test that performs research-grade DNA testing, uh, forensic file style. So this allows our veterinarian research teams to conduct groundbreaking research to extend the lives of all dogs, because every embarked dog brings us closer to the goal of ending preventable diseases in dogs, which is awesome. They have an exclusive offer that you can't get anywhere else. Go to EmbarkVet.com now and use promo code DAILYBEANS to save 15% off your dog DNA test kit. That's EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS to save. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. And we've got a couple of new stories from uh, Jordan. What do you have for us today? It's a few stories. Amazon, first story, is engaged in a bid protest right now with the United States government after they lost their bid to Microsoft on a Department of Defense contract that was soliciting a massive cloud computing project. The contract was for $10 billion. So it's a huge contract. <laughs> that's Bloomberg money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And the issue, they say, is not uh, simply that they lost the bid, obviously. It's how they lost the bid. Uh, Crew gave this quote. They said, this is not an ordinary bid protest. Plaintiff Amazon alleges not only that the U.S. Department of Defense uh, inaccurately evaluated the technical aspects of its proposal for the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, known as JEDI, contract, but also that DOD did so because President Donald J. Trump engaged in a blatant and sustained effort to direct the outcome in order to pursue his own personal and political ends. Mm. Yeah, we, I think we reported on this back in the day when it happened. It's, it's interesting this is coming up now. Mm-hmm. There's multiple times that Trump has tried to screw over Amazon and Bezos, right? It's it's like a pattern of behavior that he continues and he does it all the time. And that's what Amazon apparently is trying to make in their case. Not only that in this instance has Trump used these sorts of decisions to implement his political ideas and advance his agendas. He does this consistently across various agencies and that the courts should look at that basically and consider that in the totality of the evidence. Yeah, I remember when they um, when Trump pressured the postmaster general um, tried to get her to double Amazon shipping rates mm -hmm. because right. of what was going on with The Washington Post. Totally. Uh, and Trump apparently told Mattis this in the summer of 2018. He just said, he said, screw Amazon, just blatantly said that and directed him to deny Amazon the contract. That's according to an account from Mattis's former speechwriter. I did not know that guy had a speechwriter. Uh, couldn't tell. <laughs> I don't, he's pretty, he's a mad dog, so he needs a speechwriter. Yeah, well, he reads a lot and stuff. He's very like well learned. Yeah, wasn't he like? A, he's like super history buff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Actually, I got to be honest, I only heard him speak like one time and it was when he got that great zinger of a joke in. Do you remember that? No, no. Ugh, I'll remember it. Anyways, I digress a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But his speechwriter is the one that uh, wrote about this direct account. So now um, Amazon is asking to depose Mattis to see if this was true, because if that's true, that's Trump directly going to the head of the Department of Defense saying trying to interfere in a bidding process, which... The one thing, if there is anything about a bidding process and procuring something for the government, it is that it cannot be tainted by any amount of corruption or unfair views or, you know, choice. It's all painfully a long process so that every step of the way you can say this was a fair bidding process. Yes, it's there's a lot of fail safes and rules um, when we work on contract procurement, even if it's just to get paper towels from somebody Mm -hmm. you got to put the bid out you got to redo all the research you got to check them all then you have to uh, make a decision that it's down to two and then other people can like the companies who didn't get it can file an appeal and then if if the appeal is found to be um, appropriate they can wipe it clean and start the whole bidding process again it happens a lot it Mm -hmm. takes a long time to get these contracts through especially a 10 billion dollar one and they're looking yeah. at other contracts too, right? Yeah, there. Well, there's also like the funding for the border wall, for example, that Trump's been accused of throwing bones to his friends. It's very reminiscent of Bush Cheney shit. Yeah. yeah, and we knew that. We knew that he was gonna. I wonder if they're looking at the Puerto Rico electricity contract. I think somebody said they were already investigating that. Uh, but Bezos brings up all just all mm-hmm. sorts of the FBI moving their headquarters yep. across the street from um, yeah. the DC hotel. Cause they thought mm-hmm. it was going to become a hotel that would compete with his hotel. <laughs> Just all sorts of insanity. I wonder if he'll put that plan back into place now that he's selling the lease on, mm-hmm. on the DC downtown hotel. That wouldn't be telling at all. Right. Yeah. Hopefully Amazon's victorious in this. I don't know. I feel like it's not an issue of money. That guy's got enough money. <laughs> he's probably not that concerned. True. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's interesting how he's sort of first off just as this massive tech giant that now, you know, through the nature of how large his company is and how much wealth he is amassed, he is now this kind of spokesperson in a lot of ways of, of like corporate America that is still invested in some kind of justice. It's interesting. You don't, I feel like we don't see that a lot. He's kind of becoming this unpredicted hero. Right now. Oh, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, a lot of the times I think I personally lump corporations in as just being, you know, the worst and only caring about money through and through. And I know that Amazon, I personally don't have an Amazon account. I'm not a fan of what they do to small business. And No, nope, I would love if they would also pay taxes. Right. And I think that there's a lot wrong with them. But I do think that it is a positive that he is using his voice for, for good he also happens to potentially gain $10 billion by this, but he does <laughs> But he comes out and he says, he points out a lot of things that are very other important. Stuff. Yeah, he very important points. Too. Yes, he does. So that's that story. Amazon v. the United States continues. Uh, and next, uh, remember that story a few days ago about the Secret Service paying super high nightly rates for stays at Trump properties? Uh, well, today, the House Oversight Committee asked the Secret Service to show a full accounting of their finances in regards to those transactions. So they're pursuing that now, which is great. Thank you, Washington Post. That was reporting from them. They rock. Bezos. Yep. <laughs> uh, I can't understand why Trump wouldn't like Bezos at all. <laughs> Seriously. 
Uh, but that committee is, uh, uh, they set a February 25th deadline. That's pretty fast. What is this, the 11th? Yeah, 12th. Yeah, 12th. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so that's, that's pretty quick. They have less than two weeks to get that to them. I'm curious to see if Trump intervenes in that. Uh, probably. Right. I doubt it'll. I'll doubt. I doubt it'll come over. They'll. They'll. They'll say no, and then they'll have to do a subpoena, and then they'll sue. God, how could you like? How could you possibly say that 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 that, that and there's any level of like confidentiality to that information? You know. Yeah, I don't know what kind of privilege he would. Yeah, I'm curious, but I really don't think it's going to go seamlessly to that committee by the 25th. No. That's for sure. The only documents that go seamlessly from the Department of Justice or any agency to any committee are the ones the Republicans in the Senate are asking for. Mm-hmm. And I think this committee should be proud. They are continuing on without Cummings, and this is what Cummings would have done. And they're doing it swiftly. And Right matters. Yes, absolutely. And finally, out of Columbus, Ohio, there was a state house hearing on a bill that's addressing the victims of Ohio State University, University Dr. Richard Strauss. During the hearing, Jim Jordan's name came up, and it is a lot more damning than I was expecting, actually. Yeah, this would be, in any other presidency, uh, the number one story on all channels. Yes, a major scandal. I had wholeheartedly believed that he was aware of the abuse that happened and failed to report it and do the right thing. I believe that. But what is revealed in this victim's testimony is uh, a lot a lot more problematic behavior that happened recently. It's not only what happened back when he was at the the university. So Adam D. Sabato, he was the former captain of the OSU wrestling team during the late 80s and early 90s. And he told members of the House Civil Justice Committee that Jim Jordan and a bunch of other team officials knew about all of the shit that was going on, essentially. They knew about those open shower team facilities that well, that that was where a lot of the sexual harassment took place. A lot of the wrestlers were abused in that environment. And he said, not only did Jim Jordan know about it, a bunch of other people did too, right? So we, we know this. We know that. So he testified in front of the committee and said that. But he also said that Jim Jordan called him over and over again in July 2018 after the media said that his brother, Michael DiSabato, said Strauss's abuse was common knowledge uh, and that Jim Jordan knew about it. So Jim Jordan called his brother and was begging him. This is, I'll just read the quote. He said, Jim Jordan called me crying, groveling, begging me to go against my brother. That's the kind of cover up that's going on there. Wow. That's insane. And then he very powerfully asked lawmakers, are you guys going to do what you're voted to do? That's the only reason I'm here, he uh, he said, is for this bill. It's Bill 249, and it would waive the statute of limitations so victims could sue OSU. Um, but just hugely damning testimony from DiSabato. He said, he's throwing us under the bus, all of us. He's a coward. And, of course, Jim Jordan and his spokesperson are still maintaining that he didn't know. And if he did know, he would have done something because he's a great fucking guy. <sighs> and then uh, DiSabato said in response to that that Jim Jordan is a liar. Wow. Yeah. And I believe hundreds of victims. Yeah, I think there were like 1,500 or something. There's an insane amount. Yeah, I know. I think there was at least like 300 that formally filed stuff with the school. And then, I don't know, I I imagine that's not taking into account all the people that haven't spoken up. That's interesting, July of 2018. Right. So don't, don't, yeah. Crying and groveling. Don't go with what your brother said. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. That's pathetic. consciousness of guilt right there. It is consciousness of guilt, and it's fucking pathetic. I hope, I hope he has some voicemail saved. 
Right? Oh, God. He's probably too smart, though. He wouldn't leave a voicemail. Jim Jordan? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he knows how to hide shit. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Totally. But yeah, it's fine. I do find a lot of like some sick pleasure just imagining him crying and begging when normally he's such a smug piece of shit that likes to, you know, his MO is that he's so unfazed comic, yeah. to a comic degree almost. Uh, right. And, yeah. And then to see him, you know, putting on the waterworks because I really don't think he actually gives a fuck. He just wants to be in power, but crying and, and you know, being this kind of like pitiful person. Could be crocodile tears. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for those uh, three super happy stories. Yep. I'm afraid the C block isn't much better, uh, but uh, it is news and it's important that we hear it. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Root Insurance. I'm really tired of bad drivers. They cost us a lot of money, especially in insurance rates. And it's it's absolutely maddening uh, that that we would pay the same rate as them. And that's why I'm glad I found about Root Insurance. Root can save you a bunch of cash because they assess rates differently than other companies. Root Insurance has developed a mobile app that measures driving behavior. And instead of basing your car insurance rate on your credit score or your age or your zip code or your gender, uh, they base your rates primarily on how you drive. And so by removing bad drivers from the equation, Root saved good drivers up to 52% in 2019. There's a reason why Root has been featured in Forbes, TechCrunch, Wired, The Washington Post, and Fortune Magazine. In 2019, Root was the fastest growing direct insurance company in the U.S. And it's not just the amazing rates based primarily on how you drive. They're the world's first mobile-first car insurance company. Their insurance card is available right on your phone. And if you get into an accident, you file a claim directly in the app. It's car insurance made easy. They take away all the red tape, take out the headaches. And so they have these rates based on how you drive, not who you are. So all you have to do is download the Root Insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and see how much you can save. So don't wait. Give Root a try. Head to your app store, download the Root Insurance app. Got nothing to lose? Sign up in less than a minute and start your test drive today. That's Root, R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app today or visit joinroot.com to learn more and see how much you could save. Root reserves the right to refuse to quote any individual premium rate for the insurance advertised herein. Savings based on national reviews reported by actual customers. Form number one, not available in all states. This product is not available in California. All right, welcome back. Uh, Today, Republican House members, jerks, led by Devin (laughs) Nunes, buttwad, uh, boycotted a hearing of the House Intelligence Subcommittee, even though it was totally unrelated to impeachment or Ukraine or being fascists. And then Um, said that they weren't allowed in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then they stormed the skiff. No one was in the skiff because this took place in the regular house. Uh, they sent a letter to they just they just storm skiffs like, hey, what are you doing? Let's go, yeah. let's, let's go TP the skiff. Mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> um, so they sent a letter to Adam Schiff and said they're boycotting because Adam Schiff is a dick and he hasn't called a hearing on the FISA surveillance warrants taken out on Carter Page. Um, Schiff tweeted in response saying. House Intelligence just held a key hearing on the national security impacts of emerging technologies. Republicans boycotted the oversight hearing, protesting the lack of, checks notes, oversight hearings. We've had fully 67 oversight events this session. We will keep doing our job. Yeah, that is basically what they're doing. They're refusing to do their job. Yep. They're just dipping. Yep. Nice. Like it's a strike. Right. Like we don't pay them. Like they're like they're not public servants. Like I feel they work like for you should have enterprise. to you should have to have some sort of like official note for why you can't show up to committee. You shouldn't <laughs> be able to just like not go. Right, like a note from the speaker. Or yeah, something. right. <laughs> some shit. I don't know. A Pelosi pass. Yeah, or like 
I have to go to my daughter's dance recital. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Not like... I don't feel like I don't, f- I don't feel like going because I'm you, not happy with what happens here. You didn't do a worthless hearing, so I'm not going. Okay. Right. Mm, yeah. Nice. Well, committees committees are so overlooked, right? Until like the last four years where we've all gotten a crash course in them because they've been the ones that have had to come out and do the fucking work of everyone else, basically. Yeah. But yeah, it's like everything happens in committee. Stuff gets amended in committee. Stuff gets like tabled indefinitely in committee. A lot of really important shit happens there. Like Bill's dying committee? Yes, totally. And I'm totally projecting my understanding of committee in my college council, but I'm assuming (laughs) it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah. And there's a ton of committees and subcommittees, and and this was a hearing on on technology. Mm-hmm. And no, we're not going to go because you didn't look into the FISA warrant application process. Like, right. look, you go ahead when you're in when you're in charge. Yeah, you didn't do it last year or the year before, did you? No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. Yep. Uh, and that FISA warrant, by the way, was issued in 2016, so you had some time mm-hmm. if you wanted to have a hearing. Mm-hmm. So eat shit. In other news, Trump was asked about his statement that Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman should be disciplined. Because now not just has he like fired him and had him marched out of the White House, uh-huh. he's saying he should be disciplined. And and he said, we'll have to see. That's going to be up to the military. If you look at what happened, they're going to certainly take a look at that. <laughs> the Army, however, says there's no investigation into Colonel Vin, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Um, dozens more National Security Council members are expected to be removed in the coming days. Uh, in what the National Security Advisor acting is describing as house cleaning, cleaning house. So, Just coincidentally after impeachment. Sure. And and everyone <sighs> in there who's seen all of the yep. calls that are in the NICE system know everything that went down. Like, hey, let's get them out of here. They signed yep. non-disclosure agreements. They can't talk about it. Boot them out. Bye. I know exactly what Republicans are going to say because Marco Rubio already said it, but they're saying... That the president has the authority to pick whatever kind of functioning body is going to be most effective. And if he believes he doesn't have sympathizers in there, then they can no longer be effective. And that is his full right to do that. That's exactly what they're going to say. Yeah. And he does have the right. But when you, again, for the millionth fucking time, Marco Rubio, you can't do shit you're allowed to do if the intent is corrupt. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking basic, dude. Like, yep. go quote some Bibles somewhere else. Yep. I, I'm tired of your ass. Right. It's like that argument would mean, <laughs> would maybe mean something if they just, I don't know, they saw a diary and it was like, I hate Trump. Trump sucks butts. Every time I think of poop, I think of Trump. You know, if it was like, it was like, okay, I just can't work with this person, maybe. And then they put it in the code word classified system. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a readout on the butts thing? (laughs) Exactly. But this is, this is a poop diary, but also (laughs) a crime. Also, they happen to have witnessed things that would result, hopefully, fucking eventually, one day in an indictment or some kind of punishment. Yes, this, uh, we just need to uh, vote in November, as we know. Mm-hmm. You've heard me say it. Yep. Uh, Trump also said today he doesn't want to say yet about whether he'll pardon Stone, but added that he can't even figure out how Stone got a nine-year sentence in the first place or why he even went to trial. <laughs> um, well, he was found guilty on seven federal felony counts yeah. uh, by a jury uh, of his peers. It was mostly for his outfits, though. Mostly. <laughs> mostly for the top hats. Um. It is it is his steam, steampunk spectacles <laughs> with little gadgets. Oh God, what a shitty icon! 
just wanted to pull like a <laughs> like a steampunk cell phone out of his pocket with gear yeah. and and a whistle <laughs> i know <laughs> just imagine steam coming off of him literal steam at all times Roger steam stone <laughs> so Um, Trump said again he did not ask the Department of Justice to reduce Stone's prison sentence but Trump publicly thanked Barr today for doing so he thanked him for intervening in the Stone case saying quote I want to thank the Justice Department for intervening for seeing this horrible thing and I didn't speak to them by the way but they saw the horribleness of of a nine year sentence you have murderers and drug addicts that don't get nine years yeah and that would be a problem right so I'm none of us are saying that we aren't for just like sentencing reform, mm-hmm. but Congress sense, uh, sets the sentencing guidelines. Congress does that, not um, the judges, not the prosecutors, not Bob Mueller. These aren't right. They're not, not the, arbitrarily set. Not the deep state. These are set. These. I think it's time for sentencing reform. I think it should have been done as part of justice reform. But, you know, you can't blame the sentencing guidelines on anybody but Congress, who we elect. So mm-hmm. that's kind of really on us. Yeah. I also like how he started that message like an Oscar award acceptance. Uh, I want to thank <laughs> I want to thank the Justice uh, Department and the Academy. Mm-hmm. Just another reminder that Trump doesn't have an Oscar. For none of the awards I have. Mm-hmm. Because I have zero. Um, so Andy McCabe was on CNN today, he, and he, he says his Trump's comments are, once again, we see the president committing transgressions in plain sight. This is not the first time we've seen this. You can look back as recently as Eddie Gallagher, the Eddie Gallagher case, for mm-hmm. example. And he says this is such a departure from how, how to conduct investigations. One of the bedrocks is that the president doesn't get involved. Uh, Trump also attacked Judge Jackson today uh, in a tweet saying she was the terrible person who put Manafort in solitary confinement. For his own safety. Uh, and, uh, he didn't say that. I did. Mm-hmm. And he said the federal prosecutors should go back to school. Uh, more from Trump. Quote, if you look at how many people were hurt, whose lives were destroyed and nothing happened with the people who did it. Where's Comey? What's happening to McCabe? Uh, McCabe responded saying, uh, uh, you'd think I like it never gets old. And, and Lisa Page said this, too. Every time that uh, the president tweets about you, it's it has a pretty massive impact on you. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that Trump does this because if he repeats these falsehoods enough, people will start to believe it. Um, I think that's pretty much how this whole administration operates. It's yeah. how he's going to campaign. It's uh, He just repeats lies. Mm-hmm. Repeat the lie until the lie becomes the truth. Mm-hmm. Talk about destroying lives. McCabe and Comey right? lost their jobs. Yeah, yeah, and these four prosecutors. Yeah, and Manafort probably still has his job. I'm sure he's still doing shit in there. Vinman, <laughs> probably... uh, Romney's getting death threats. Um, yeah, shift. kicked out of the conservative party entirely. Yeah, can't go to the CPAC. Uh, yeah, all right. Let's pivot to the 2020 election real quick. We have the results of New Hampshire, and Bernie Sanders has won. Bernie has won. But Pete Buttigieg is leading in delegates so far. Pete has 22. Sanders has 21. Oh, so close. Warren, Klobuchar, and Biden have 8, 7, and 6, respectively. Oh, damn. Keep in mind, 1,990 are needed to win. <laughs> so Jeez. Uh, the leader has 22 right now. So everybody chill. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have 55 states and territories to go. Next is the Nevada caucus, February 22nd. That's a caucus. Don't use the app. Um, followed by the South Carolina primary. That's primary, February 29th. And then comes Super Tuesday, mm-hmm. March 3rd. And the pr- there's there's primaries in on Super Tuesday, primaries in Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Democrats abroad, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. And there's a caucus in American Samoa that day. 
The next debate is February 19th in Nevada. So let's see. So Nevada is February 22nd. So that that's three days before the Nevada caucus. Man, it is just really a battle of the moderates, like against each other. It seems like it. And mm-hmm. our buddy from Bad Libs brought up a point, um, uh, Brandon Woodruff, saying he thought it was interesting that they took, they at, like, on the news, they added up all the moderate candidates in, in the Iowa, or in uh, New Hampshire, and together, the three moderate candidates got 53% of the vote mm-hmm. to Sanders' 22, mm-hmm. or 24. Yeah. Um, and he goes, that wouldn't happen to anybody else. And the thing is though i think it's important and i think it's important for bernie to know and i think it's important for bernie supporters to know that if the moderates are splitting the vote and 53% of people are voting more moderately that could mean trouble uh down the road for bernie uh but it's impossible to also tell because they're all different individual people it's not right. like uh, okay bernie sanders or someone more moderate and 53% went for that um, I just, but you know, you have to, I, I do, I do want to say though, just kind of like baseball, if there's a statistic that they can come up with and talk about on TV, they're going to, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that they're purposefully trying to shut Bernie out, but I, I, you know, who knows what I know. Um, but I, I do think it's, it should be noted that more moderates turned out. I don't, but again, it's New Hampshire. Yeah. They're being three moderate candidates so they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot because i don't see any of them dropping out like klobuchar is at the lowest but she's not going to drop out if she dropped out her votes would go to the other two or biden's the lowest sorry yeah, so biden's too, definitely not going to drop out way too soon for anybody to drop out. right only two have yeah. happened yeah. yeah i think that's sort of the point we're getting at is it's just mm-hmm. too soon yeah but i do think though it is like very very obvious that moderate democrats are like really afraid of a progressive candidate and yeah, I think they're from exit polling and from some of the other studies that I've seen, I think they're more afraid of Trump running against Bernie calling him a socialist than they are actually afraid of the ideas. I think they want the ideas. Yeah. I think yeah, I think yeah, a yeah. lot of these moderate Democrats would love to have these progressive this progressive platform. I think they're just worried about its viability uh, against Trump. Right. Yeah, I guess when the outcome is the same, the question is like. What's the real difference there? But totally, I think you're right. That it's not because they think Bernie's a crazy person or anything. Some do, but you know, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's more along the lines of it, he, Bernie's the only one who's called himself a socialist, mm-hmm. and that could make it harder for him to beat Trump. Well, only because of the attacks that he's going to get mm-hmm. for using that word. Which I and all, of course, all of us are like, it's that's the dumbest thing because mm-hmm. we aren't talking about Cuba. You know, <laughs> we don't want Manuel Noriega socialism. I know. We, this is different. This is democratic socialism. But no matter how you slice it, it's, yeah. it's a, but honestly, Trump is probably going to call whoever runs against him a socialist, socialist mm-hmm. health care, socialist this, socialist right. that. We'll Especially never, when all of them are talking about Medicare for all. Yeah. I mean, ever mm-hmm. because of Bernie in 2016, or at least Bernie supporters, the, the parties moved pretty left pretty hard mm-hmm. uh if, if it weren't for that we'd all be talking about just shoring up the affordable care act 
instead of Medicare for all or a Medicare option. Right. Medicare for all who want it, as, as Buttigieg exactly. would say. Exactly. Yeah. That wouldn't even be a thing. $15 an hour wouldn't even be a thing. Uh, helping pay tuition wouldn't even be a thing or, you know, just deleting it totally. Mm-hmm. Now they have to sort of creep over into that territory uh, mm-hmm. because they realize how many Americans want it. I think Americans are just worried that Trump's going to be like socialist. And I mean, that's a point. That's a good point. But, you know, we aren't going to know until we run yeah. a socialist what's going to happen. Right. And what's interesting about that point, too, is it's like it's a true point. So then I feel like in a sense that kind of takes the wind out of the sails, you know, because it's like you're a socialist. And he's like, yep. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yep, I am. <laughs> Boo. And then I feel it's like kind of like, oh, OK, well. Is it that bad if this guy is just like admitting it and has been his whole life and seems pretty consistent? And yeah, the problem is that 140 million people who didn't vote last time that are, you know, the the majority of the American electorate that Mm -hmm. is just not as you know crazy as informed as we are and our listeners are. They're just sort of in the middle, like, oh, socialism. That sounds bad. Yeah, yeah, that is totally overused too. He is not a socialist, like in a democratic socialist. Yes, he. We all are if he is. So whatever. Um, And again, not endorsing any specific candidates. Bloomberg can't take your money. (laughs) Uh, We will be right back (laughs) with. I swear to. I promise you guys. I know that you want like all of us to speak out more passionately and fervently about our candidates and have more arguments and discussions about it. As soon as we have a nominee, I, I swear to we'll go nuts. We'll go fucking ape shit. I promise. You'll get it. Uh, and with that, we'll be right back with good news. We have good news today, so stick around. Hey, everybody, this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Raycon. We are living in a wireless world. I'm a wireless girl. Uh, I'm not going to sing that, but, if <laughs> I, but I do have... Um, a white corset on right now, so that helps. Um, but before you go dropping big bucks on a pair of wireless headphones, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands you know. And Raycon's latest model, the E25, is their best one yet with six hours of playtime, uh, which is good because that's how long it would take me to run a marathon. Seamless Bluetooth pairing also is a thing, and they have a really good like bass, uh, which I really love because the music I listen to kind of requires that. And uh, they're more compact, and that gives you a nice uh, noise-isolating fit. I personally love how comfortable Ray- Raycon's wireless earbuds are. Most other earbuds give me headaches. They hurt my ears. I don't know. Maybe I have just weird-shaped ears. But they're perfect for on-the-go listening and for taking phone calls, and they're super comfortable. Um, they're kind to my ears. I call them my ear buddies. And unlike uh, some other wire- wireless options, Raycon earbuds are stylish and discreet. No dangling wires or stems. And Raycon was co-founded by Ray J. And all sorts of celebrities love them, like Cardi B and Melissa Etheridge. Um, they love the Raycons. So pick up a pair, see what the hype is all about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash dailybeans. That's buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash daily beans for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds by Raycon.com slash daily beans. You'll be glad you did. All right. This is, this is cool. We just got an unsealed court filing, uh, Wednesday showing that judge Jackson has denied Roger Stone's motion for a retrial we didn't even know he made one because it was under <laughs> seal, but she is denying it and she unsealed it. Stone filed the motion based on Judge Jackson's refusal to strike a juror for bias. 
Jackson said Stone's team provided zero evidence that failing to strike the juror resulted in a, the egregious miscarriage of justice. Interesting miscarriage of justice. Mm. Um, hmm, weird choice of words that Trump tweeted also. Mm. Uh, she has not yet addressed the issue. It's like they got together and said, what's a good way to pad for a pardon? Use the terms miscarriage for justice. Mm-hmm. Roger that. Get it, Roger. <laughs> she has not yet addressed the issue of the four prosecutors withdrawing from the case. However, they have to ask permission. That, that's what they, that's how we knew they withdrew. They've got to, because you remember in the census case that we talked about yesterday, those Department of Justice lawyers asked to be withdrawn from that case as well, and the judge disallowed it. And so now she's going to have to address these requests for these prosecutors to withdraw. Uh, and I'm interested to see uh, if she requires an affidavit from the Department of Justice to explain the change, um, the walk back in, in sentencing. She can't unsee the original sentencing recommendation. So this is going to be really interesting how she responds. And I, I, I like Judge Jackson, if you're nasty. So I'm excited to see what she does. Um, and here's, here's something interesting. Barr has agreed to appear to testify to the House Judiciary Committee on March 31st. Uh, this seemed like good news to me at first until Joyce Vance pointed out that March 31st just also happens to be the same day the Supreme Court will be hearing the arguments in the House Oversight Mazar's case and the Manhattan DA Mazar's case. Likely a distraction plan mm-hmm. by Bill Barr. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all you can do these days. Yeah. All right, time for a little Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. All right, the race for Georgia Senate seats uh, has devolved into a nasty GOP fight that could cost Republicans the Senate majority. Yes. Uh, I love watching two people I hate beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> So if you don't know, Doug Collins, crazy Doug Collins, is running for Senate in Georgia. He's the House right, of Judiciary course. guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, can yep. And he, 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 his campaign has sparked a bit of turmoil among Republicans. The National Republican Senatorial Committee is accusing Doug Collins of running for selfish reasons. What? Uh, in his campaign against incumbent Kelly Loeffler, saying his bid is jeopardizing Republicans' chances of holding both seats in Georgia. In return... Doug Collins is accusing the, the Republican Senate, blah, 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 of blackballing his vendors, saying, quote, the uh, NRSC is threatening my vendors, calling their clients and pressuring them not to work with us. Now, instead of a normal group of consultants, we are forming a group of grizzled freedom fighters to take on the establishment. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, they're all like loincloths and torches. They're grizzled and they're fighting. That is hilarious hearing a Republican call someone selfish for running for a seat. I know, I know, I know. Uh, and then the NRSC fired back, saying Collins is everything Georgians hate about Washington. Jesus. And Kevin McLaughlin, the executive director of the NRSC, said he is a swamp creature that claims to be conservative. <sighs> now having made an emotional, ill-informed, selfish dis- decision, he finds himself at a crossroads. Republicans who are working to reelect President Trump and retain the Senate majority hope he has a moment of clarity, does the right thing, and walks away from this poor decision. Jesus. Otherwise, voters will make it for him. So here's why. See, the Republican governor appointed his uh, Kelly Loeffler, his opponent, uh, after Isaacson retired in December for health reasons. Even though Trump encouraged uh, Kemp, who's the governor, to pick Doug Collins. But the way elections work in Georgia is it's like a free-for-all jungle primary. Uh, everybody runs. And, not primary, but this is going to be Back a actual election. Mm-hmm. Everybody runs, Dems and Republicans. And if anyone gets more than 50%, they win. Uh, if no one does, there's a runoff. 
And Doug Collins running could split the mm-hmm. Republican vote with Loeffler and mm-hmm. hand a victory to the Democrat. Republican state legislators are pushing to change the election rules. Uh, so that doesn't happen. But it appears unlikely as Kemp, the governor, has threatened to veto the bill. <laughs> So Republicans are just privately hoping Doug Collins doesn't run. And this is hard because all the Republicans are like bashing Doug Collins. But Doug Collins is a Trump, you know, sycophant. So Trump can't chime in here. Right. Right. No, not at all. I say go, Dougie boy. Run. Me too. The deadline to decide (laughs) is March 6th. And so I'm, yeah, run, run, Lola, run. Um, the thing is that other Georgia, the other Georgia Senate seat is also up for re-election. Republicans are scared that this turnout could affect that election as well. Yes. This infighting could turn out Democrats, which would affect the top of the ticket. Also, the presidential race. Um, we'll see if Doug Collins stays in like I like you. I hope he does, because mm-hmm. uh, he would put at risk both Senate seats in Georgia and he would have to step down as ranking member of House Judiciary. I fucking love all of that. <laughs> no, me too. He'll probably quit. He was probably expecting Trump would maybe come to his side or something throughout this process after his performance during impeachment. I guarantee you Trump's <laughs> called him into the Oval and been like, Doug, listen, you have to drop out. I'll give you uh, money. Uh, and then, of course, much like Susan Collins, some weird LLC will be opened in Delaware and $150,000 will go in it from an unknown place. Yeah. Uh, a wholly owned subsidiary of Doug Collins. Yeah. Or I also feel like Doug Collins is going to be meeting with Trump in that room and then he's going to get all sad because he's going to be like, but I'm running with all of my what did he call them? What did he call his team of people? His, oh, his rebels ra- or whatever. His ragtag. Ragtag. Rebel army. What was it? Yeah, exactly. Ragtag <laughs> rebel army. <laughs> um, Grizzled freedom fighters. Grizzled freedom <laughs> fighters. I feel like he's going to be so sad because he's going to think that's the sort. He's like, yeah, but Trump, that's how that's the, those are the people you appeal to. I thought that's that's the spirit of your campaign. Oh, come on. Come on, bro. And he's like, come on. Are you kidding? Establishments are all I live for. And <laughs> that is what Georgia wants. And that is what I will give them. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. Run, Dougie, run. I love that shit. Keep fighting. Okay. I think we're going to call this episode Run, Dougie, Run. <laughs> run, Dougie, Run. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, other good news. Today, former Ambassador Marie Ivanovich was presented with an award at Georgetown University for her excellence in the conduct of diplomacy. It's one of the biggest awards you can get for diplomacy. Past recipients include Madeleine Albright and Kofi Annan. So congratulations to Marie Ivanovich for Getting that award. Yes. Good news in, in these dark days. Mm-hmm. Um, fighting corruption is still rewarded. Mm-hmm. All right. That is the show. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, no. Yeah, me neither. Other than, you know, my typical sign off. No. I can't think of anything. Uh, I'm going to be in L.A. tomorrow. So Jordan and Amanda are going to take the wheel. Yep. And uh, maybe I'll record a. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Every time I go up there, I like I never know like what's gonna, what sort of time I'll have available to do anything. But uh, yeah, uh, I'll LA be traffic early. <laughs> you could be like, I'm gonna have a life. whole extra hour, and then no, then you're like minus three hours. Yeah, yeah. God, turning left on those fucking streets. Oh well, and the rule is after the arrow turns red, three cars get to go. That's the rule. 
That's nice. So you know. I, I always tend to just gun it it's when I'm like at the first, when I'm in the first position. <laughs> I just try to like size up the person in front of me on the Get other ahead end. Of I'm them like, if yeah, you does have this a person yield? look as douchey as me? If so, I'm not going to do this because we will inevitably debone each other. <laughs> if you have like a yield, right? Like not a green arrow. Yes. But yeah. 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 I'm like, mm-hmm. if, yeah. If yeah. they're looking like, uh, like a pretty chill dude, then I'm fucking going. And you're like, put, put your <laughs> hand up as you're turning. Hey. Yeah. Don't hit me. God. Freaking LA. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, everybody, please uh, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.